Welcome to this episode of CTU Speaks Rating Reach. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I'm your co-host, Jim Starrums, and I'm joined with... Andrea Parker. How's it going, Miss Parker? It is going pretty well. I can't complain. What about you? It's going okay. It's going not, not too bad. You know, we're coming up to uh, the holidays, which is always a nice time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's what they say. At least that's what the song says. It is. It's a beautiful song. I know. You want to sing it? Not really. I think that that <laughs> now you scare away the, the listeners that we have. That is but, true. But I was thinking, if you were to rate how well your your time is going right now, would you say it's distinguished? Would you say it's proficient? Is it basic or is it unsatisfactory? My time? Yeah, your time right now. How's it? How things are going? Oh, that's a good question, Jim. You put me on the spot. I know. I'm going to say, I'm going to definitely say it's proficient. I think I'm utilizing my time wisely. However, there are a lot of deadlines coming up and I feel like there's a little bit of anxiety. So I'm not going to say I'm distinguished yet. I live in proficient, but I want (laughs) to. But you want to visit distinguished. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So as you all can't tell, we're going to be talking about REACH today a little bit and the evaluation system that is imposed upon us by CPS. REACH came out uh, probably about a decade ago now, right? Wasn't it 2012, yeah, like 2013? Yeah, something um, like we, that. We went actually into fruition. And uh, I don't know if you if you remember, Ms. Parker, the old evaluation system, the little checkboxes. I remember. I had one evaluation where it was just a check mark. That was the whole thing. There were no words. It was just a check mark. Oh, wow. And I mean, the one good thing, if there's something good about reach, and I, you can't see it, I'm doing air quotes around good. It's that we can actually do stuff where we can challenge those reach ratings. You can't challenge a check mark. But there are so many different things. And we're going to put some uh, links in the show notes to all the resources we've got on the CT website about reach. And there's like checklists, all kinds of different stuff that you can do to see if your reach evaluation has been done correctly. You can, and I definitely appreciate that, but I still feel like we went from one extreme to another. We went from checks to dissertations. You're right. Okay. (laughs) And it's like, how do I navigate this? Teachers are really stressed. Even veteran teachers, probably even especially, uh, feel very threatened by the reach because it seems to be used as a tool a principal can use to get rid of you, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's really weird the way they do the math on these things and they each component is weighted differently and stuff like that. And and you're right, they do use it punitively. Like you know, any normal person, if you've got let's say like I'm your principal and I I think Miss Parker, of course she wouldn't be deficient in anything, but if she were, I would just take let's say she was deficient in domain 3B about like, you know, how we question students and stuff like that. Oh, you know it, your it, domains and your opponents. Bravo. I think you are definitely distinguished. Oh, look at that. I got the high mm-hmm. rating, the check mark mm-hmm. in the top box. <laughs> but if, if you're having problems with a certain area and I'm supposed to be the instructional leader in the building, shouldn't I be trying to help you with that? If I really think you got a problem with that, shouldn't I be giving you training and professional development on that to make you better rather than just be like, ah, you suck at that? I mean, think if we did that to our students. like. Uh, you don't understand how to read. You suck. 
No, what our job is, is, okay, if they can't read that in context, we got to give them and break it down more, give them more help to build them up in that area. That's what a real review system should do. Identify where we need help and help us, not identify where you say I'm weak and then give us crap for being weak in that area. How does that help? Right. It's, it's a mess all across the board. You know, we had known for a while that these rating systems could be used in a discriminatory fashion. We knew it just in our head, but, you know, yeah. some, some research has come out lately showing that this has had a disparate impact on certain communities. Yes. And we know what communities those are. Of course. We have to do better in our reach system. The reach system has to reach. For a better system than reach. <laughs> I agree. And so we're going to jump over to our interview now with Pavlin Jankoff and Tara Stamps, our other co-host. We are here today with Chicago Teachers Union Research Director Pavlin Jankoff. And also joining us today is Tara Stamps, who is the Administrator of New Teacher Development for the Chicago Teachers Union. And we are all here today to talk about REACH, which is an evaluation tool for teachers. And we're here to, to specifically talk about what it's supposed to be, what it actually is, and what it needs to be. All right. Welcome to the show today, Tara and Pavlov. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having us. We are ready to dive deep because REACH is one of those topics that teachers love to talk about um, because it is such a invasive part of our career. It's one of those make or breaks is one of those tools that many teachers believe is subjective. And if a principal likes you, the reach is in your favor, but if a principal doesn't like you, the um, reach may not be in your favor. So first question is, what is reach? And how does CPS justify this thing? Let's get some historical context. Yeah, so reach is the Chicago Public Schools specific um, evaluation system. Um, and that was a system that was birthed out of a law passed by Illinois legislature called uh, the Performance Evaluation Reform Act, um, also known as PARA, that was signed in 2010. Um, the, the context of the PARA law is really, really important for what we're talking about here, because that was a result of the race to the top initiative. That was from the federal government. So you can see how all, all this stuff really channeled through down to the district level. But um, race to the top came about when Arnie Duncan, who came from Chicago, was the um, head of the Department of Education under the Obama administration. And race to the top, it was a system to incentivize and push states towards adopting a number of um, measures that were not about improving education. Um, they were about privatization. They were about forcing down all kinds of corporate reforms um, that, that have really harmed education across a number of things. I'll, I'll, I'll highlight a couple of them because I think like knowing about them tells us what the evaluation system really does in context. Um, so the race at the top pushed for school turnarounds. That was something that Arnie Duncan did in Chicago yes. um, and, and brought nationally. Um, and we know over 50 we, schools being shut down in Chicago. Yeah. And where were those schools located, right? Where they turned around. Those were schools on the South and West sides. Correct. So that was part of the race at the top initiative. That law also pushed for the privatization by um, pushing for expansion of new charters. 
2000 race to the top. And then central to race at the top, they were also pushing states towards adopting um, teacher evaluation systems that, according to their terms, um, took into account student performance. The groundwork for race to the top and the groundwork for this focus on student performance, you know, that, that had been laid, laid out um, for, for decades. I mean, you could trace this back to, you know, in the, in the 1980s when um, the federal government was calling, um, you know, predominantly black school systems like Chicago as complete failures, right? And, and they were using that to wrest control from local schools. And so a lot of the narrative was that um, schools were failing students, students were clearly failing, and the people who were failing them were the educators, the people in the classrooms. They'd always hit on this, this point that, oh, how, how could you have 90% of your students failing, but 90% of your educators are evaluated as being high performing, right? That can't be, that can't be true. Um, so they used that, and they used that to push forward um, this Race to the Top initiative, and Illinois um, responded. They pushed through PARA. And as a result of that, CPS was required to create an evaluation system that took into account measures of student performance. And of course, when they talk about measures of student performance, they're talking about standardized tests. That's a lot of the, the I think, the context um, for how that came about. And, you know, of course, the CTU, we had to um, fight CPS and push back against some of the worst excesses of para law and, and how they were trying to implement it. They were when they first implemented reach and wanted to push it forward, they were trying to have a much higher percentage tied to student test scores. Um, there's a number of components in, in reach um, that that we were not able to get rid of entirely because of you know just the, the balance of um, forces at that time um, when you had um, you know really like this bipartisan push by both the Republicans and the Democrats to um, you know, have this like test-based evaluation system. You can see how all this stuff is tied together with with other kinds of corporate reforms. Absolutely. So many, just playing devil's advocate, many may say, hey, teachers need to be evaluated. And, we, and we've always had an evaluation tool. And so teachers should be evaluated. And what's wrong with tying some of student performance to teacher evaluation? So what is actually wrong with this CPS approach of evaluating teachers? What is ultimately, fundamentally, the problem with this REACH evaluation tool? Hi, Dr. Parker. I'm Tara Stamps. Um, I think it's okay, right? I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have an evaluation. I don't think teachers think it's necessarily a bad thing Correct. to have an evaluation. I even think there are some aspects to the REACH that are, are, are could actually, if implemented with fidelity could actually make for better teachers, which um, my understanding of the REACH in its design, that was the end goal, to help teachers to become better, to have um, a system put in place so that after a series of conferences and observations, you can kind of isolate and distill down what the strengths and weaknesses were of that teacher and then provide some support to help that teacher to address those things. And as a veteran teacher, um, I've just never saw that done. I never saw the REACH evaluation implemented 
um, in my school, the schools where I taught with any amount of fidelity. That's the first thing. The second thing is it seemed as though principals always found a way to weaponize the reach that it became more of a got you than a, you know, let me use this tool to really improve the teaching staff in my building. But why, why do I got you for what? For what reason? I think that, um, this is just Tara. So we're going to say this is Tara, right? Okay. So we ain't going to put it on nobody. This is Tara. This kind of ties in with some other things that were going on with the machinations of CPS. We also had school-based budgeting and school-based budgeting changed the whole mix in terms of how schools got funded. And so many of the teachers that started getting got with the reach were the teachers who were at the highest rung of the pay scale. Well, when that money had to come up out of the school budget, it became more feasible for principals to get cheaper teachers, not unlike a corporate thinking, right? I'm just of the mind that America, A, I think America is on a collision course with itself, but that's a complete aside. But I also believe that um, they have just been trying to create what we thought was like a China-like environment in America. So cheaper wages, cheaper labor, and, and, and find a way to just reduce work and labor down to nothing. And to figure out how to make the fat cats get fatter, and the workers poorer. And so many of those teachers who were at the highest rung um, were very well educated. Um, and they had some things in common. Very well educated, black and female. Most of those women were heads of households. Most of those women have been in, in education for many, many years. Most of those women were probably anywhere between 10, 15 years outside of retirement, enter and reach and um, school-based budgeting and school closing. And that was a trifecta of destruction of black teacher populations as we knew them. And when you start taking black women, particularly out of school buildings that are dominated by black children, you are asking for problems. There is no recollection, there is no connection. And our children need to be connected to the people that are teaching them. They need to see themselves reflected in the people that are, are teaching them. You, and, and I'm just of the mind, and this is, this is I guess, in a little bit of a aside from just talking about reach, but I'm just of the mind that if you don't love Black babies, it's very difficult to teach Black children. When you just ripped so many Black educators out of the classroom, I think we knew the damage that it would cause. I don't think the people who were causing the injury knew what it would cause. That's what I'm of the mind is. I think that they were on point to trim those high salaries. And many of those high salaries happen to be many veteran Black female educators. Yes, sir. I echo your sentiments because I was definitely in that situation before. And just for many people who may not know about REACH or who are new to REACH, it's simply where a principal may come to your room one to four times a year. And just based off the few times in your room, you probably in your room maybe 250 days out the year. And your principal come in your room one day out the year and say, hey, this lesson is trash. <laughs> and I'm going to give you unsatisfactory, unsatisfactory, because this one day I've been here after 250 times that you're in here. It doesn't look good. 
things are not aligned. Um, I don't think this lesson was great. And it can be very subjective. And based off that one time, yes, you can possibly not be asked to come back. And especially if you're not a tenure teacher and you are a probationary teacher and you have an unsatisfactory rating, you do not have to be asked back to the school. And that can be very difficult for you uh, in terms of interviewing with somebody else because another principal is going to see your rating. Um, um, CPS not a it's a big district, but you know, it's a very small world still. And I was I would say a victim of that. I was probably about twelve years in my teaching career, and I've always had proficient, superior ratings. Uh, one year I was a delegate, and we had a brand new principal. Um, I was trying to hold him accountable and he gave me unsatisfactory ratings and he gave me these ratings without the teaching framework there. And so I requested a meeting with him and I said, you, you gave me these ratings, but they're not based off the framework. And so he did change some of my ratings because I had to advocate for myself. I had to appeal my ratings. Um, it did go in my favor. So it is a very subjective tool and I think it could be used any way the principal wants to use it. Um, thankfully, I've been in the hands of decent principals who know the framework. And so my evaluation has been fair, but I can see definitely how it does not fare that way. And many teachers are afraid. They're afraid when reach come around. They're like literally trembling and they're stressed out when reach come around. And it should not have to be that way. People shouldn't, teachers, professionals who got their Masters and even some cases, their PhDs should not have to be trembling when reach come around because they are in such great fear. Oh, I'm going to get this low rating. And like you said, with student based budgeting, which I did my dissertation on, uh, I've heard principals out there on mouth say, Oh, I got to, I, I need new teachers. I need teachers, but they can't have more than three years experience. They can't have more than two years experience because it's not in my budget. And I've seen teachers retire early. Because principals are giving them low evaluations and they were scared that after co-evaluation, they can lose their certification. And so they retired early. And so this is a this is a very um scary situation. And I do think that reform is necessary. And so with that being said, um well, let me let me I want to speak to two things. Um one is actually a positive. You have to be an advocate for yourself. One of the best things that we have going for us is that we have a union. And one of the things that I think principals actually envy is that we do have a union and that our union is as powerful um, as it is. Remember, solidarity is indeed our superpower. And I think some principals envy that. Um, I have been told on many occasions when I've you know, brought something to a principal's attention that they may or may not have agreed with. Um, well, I can't do that because I don't have a union. I'm an at-will employee. And oftentimes, principals make decisions, I think, that are not in the best interest of their school, certainly not in the best interest of their children, because they are at-will employees. So more often than not, they are willing to carry the water of the district, even though it may not be in the best interest of the students or the faculty. But one of the positives of the REACH and one of the positives of CTU is that they, A, have a team in place to help you fight REACH evaluations. Should you um, have an unfavorable REACH evaluations, there's a whole team in place, structures in place, a whole checklist in place for you as an educator, as a CTU member, 
to say, listen, wait a minute, this wasn't followed. Um, and that's the framework that you spoke to. So you can ding them on stuff that they don't know. And when I had to appeal my reach evaluation, that was exactly why, because the principal, the administrator conducted the evaluation and did not follow the framework. And that's often the case with many of the administrators that are administering or facilitating the reach evaluation. They themselves don't even understand what they're looking for. We know that we came right smack dab out of COVID. There was no reason in a good sense for us to even conduct reach evaluations last year. And if we were really talking about, A, trying to maintain good, solid, committed educators, we would forgo evaluations for the first couple of years of early career educators just so that they can understand what their job even entails, so they can get their feet wet, understand their work, so that they could just be on an observation plan, not punitive. That's one of the things you can put in place that can make this actually work. It's very difficult to become proficient if you're always teaching in fear. You're not going to do your best work. You're not going to be creative. You're not going to be thinking out of the box. You're not going to be, you know, developing not only um, amazing, gifted, talented young people, but you're not going to be teaching creative thinkers if you are teaching out of fear. And unfortunately, I think that's what the REACH evaluation has created. It has created a bunch of the kind of teachers that are just at water. I'm just going to stick to this one plan that works and and it and it, you know what I'm saying I'm gonna tweak it a little bit but I know this is the one thing that works and I'm not gonna try anything new because I don't want to fail because if they come by and I'm not doing exactly what I need to do and they teach it like a robot because they're afraid to be experimental and that's what teaching is about it's about well, let's try it and see. Let's see what happens. It's about stoking that curiosity. And they they zap that out of teachers. And if you're a teacher that comes to this work with the passion for young people and they take that out of you, that's why we're having this drain out of our system, right? Because they can go to other districts and guess what? They're not under the same kind of pressure. They can actually teach. They don't have to teach to a test. They don't have to over-test their young people. They can actually teach. When I came in, you still had a bunch of old guard Black teachers that had perfected the science of teaching. And they were always looking out for the newbies that were coming through. And if you looked like you were worth investing in, they would. Now I have the opportunity to kind of take the teachings of Laniva Woolfolk into the We Care program and help to support early career educators. But we're also developing good unionists. That is a huge part of the work that we're doing in the We Care program. But I also sit on the PF, which is the advisory council for the para. And so just recently, the state is about to appoint a new vendor to scrutinize the evaluations that are being used, uh, i.e. the reach, and to investigate their usefulness or the impact that they're having. It's, it's not a secret. So it kills me that we keep coming and having these same conversations like it's a secret. We know what is happening. 
So for me, it's kind of like a full circle moment. And I'm I'm so grateful that I have a seat at the table to talk about, you know, how this evaluation tool has been used as an attack. It's certainly been weaponized to hurt teachers. And in a in a time where you want teachers, a part of recruiting is is retention. You got to maintain the good teachers that you have while you're recruiting other great teachers to this work. You know, Tara, what you were saying about um, like the punitive way this is used, like we talk about it being subjective. It's subjective by design. I mean, we have the entire system set up to be punitive. So, you know, earlier you're talking about principles. It's like they're responding to SQRP, which is which is the system that that rates schools based on test scores and rates school whole schools based on student performance. Um, that that comes from the top, right? And that that also traces back to you know school reform, where, where they're using test scores to not just fire one black teacher at a time, but they'd fire the entire school of educators, right? And, and we, that's something we've we've fought, pushed back, you know, had lawsuits, and you know, won, won lawsuits about discrimination against black teachers on. Um, but you know, thinking about it's like how how can we improve this system? Well, it can't be improved unless you get rid of the punitive efforts and if you get rid of the overall inequities in our system because our schools they're not set up to help our students if their budgets aren't you know fully resourced right like you were talking about SVB it's like if if our if our principals are forced to you know use a budget that doesn't provide for enough veteran educators they have every single incentive to not not hire an experienced teacher and to find ways to get rid of the ones they have we can fight around the edges on reach, but to really like end its its sort of ra- its racist impact on our schools, there's a number of other things we have to change about you know the school system as a whole, and it's not it's not just the teacher evaluation, but it's all, it's all these other things. So at the end of the day, what is reach actually evaluating? Reach is really evaluating the level of trauma, you know, community trauma, um, poverty, all the things that are affecting our students in the classrooms and their schools, that's what it ends up measuring. I mean, that, that's, that's why we have a system where, you know, they've done studies of, of the CPS reach and found, you know, they're finding that white teachers are more effective under the system than black teachers. Then they actually look at the information and it turns out that the entire difference is because of the students that they're serving. So you you could be teaching at Lane and you're an excellent teacher, uh, our selective enrollment schools, right? And then you move to a school, a struggling under-resourced high school on the South or West sides, and suddenly you're an unsatisfactory. So under our system, that's that's what it's doing. Um, and it's not designed to, you know, help our teachers. It's designed to rate them and rank them and sort them in, in, a, in a racist system. Rate, rag, sort. And in doing so, rate, rag, sort our children. Because at the end of the day, the teacher is connected to the students. So if I'm distinguished at, at Lincoln Elementary and, oh my, you know, everybody's singing my praises and I'm Golden Apple nominated and, and all of that. And then for whatever reason, um, I transfer over to, you know, how they've leveled the schools. And so I go over to a level three school heaven forbid, right? But let me back up. So at some point in, in CPS's wild imaginings, they decided they were going to rate the schools uh, and and they gave all kind of ridiculous ratings like one and one plus and two. And 
Uh, and needless to say, if you're one, you're amazing, great. Um, and that's tied to the SQRP, That's which is really just tied to attendance. And, and if you're three, um, that's not so good, that's bad, and and um, in need of a significant support. And and it's like you're on probation. You're on and, probation. Um, you're on yep. probation, and it's um, likely. They say they give you intensive support on paper, but you may not get intensive support. But they say you um, may get intensive support, and then you're like on the chopping block to get closed down if you do not improve. So again, to put everybody in fear. And if you're a new teacher or a teacher period, you don't want to probably go to level three school because you're like, if I go there, I may get a low rating and I may get shut down. And again, it doesn't look good on my resume that I was at a level three school and I was part of a school that was shut down due to it being labeled a failing level three school. So again, it keeps um, schools under-resourced because also parents, they look at a school on the CPS website and they see a level three or even a level two and say, I don't want to send my child there. So I'm going to send my child some other school that's maybe further away from my house. And now less students are in this school, which is a level three. That means they get less funding, which means less support, less resources. And now you teachers working extra hard to get the students the resources and be the, the reading teacher and be the after school teacher and be the drama teacher and try to give the students so much because resources are taken out because of student-based budgeting, where you all, you only get money based off the number of students enrolled in the school. And so it's the cash 22. So the less students there, uh, the less resources they get and less resources they get, the more likely they get a level three. And now parents want to send their kids there because they're not getting the services. And the students get rated by other schools. So schools that may have never considered children in particular zip codes or in particular situations now will raid the school of students based on school-based budgeting so that they can keep their numbers up and continue to get into resources while other neighborhood schools are getting starved out. So mm -hmm. it's cre it created a very um, treacherous system. A Hunger Games type of cycle. It's cannibalistic. I mean, it made us turn in on ourselves and create teacher vacancies. The other thing that happened because of this rating system is, and because of the racism within Chicago public schools, is that oftentimes schools in white neighborhoods have a history of not hiring African-American teachers in large numbers. So oftentimes black teachers are, 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 Confined, are you know to teach in their neighborhood schools that are are under resourced, primarily black and brown uh, schools, and then you know we've just painted the picture of what happens with that, right? But what I want to amplify in this system and what we've illustrated is nowhere does anyone win in this. The teachers lose, the students lose, the district lose because in their short-sightedness they are losing amazing educators every single year and so until chicago public schools has the courage to really look at itself and make some serious changes about how they do school really reimagine what public education could look like i'm very concerned which is why we need a friendly mayor we need 
friendly councilmen. We need people that are going to amplify our struggle and save public education as we know it, not just for black and brown children, because guess what? Walter Payton is still a public school. Now, it's a private way they treat it is like a private public school sitting in the middle of the city. But it's still a public school. Lane is still a public school. All of those schools are still public schools. And so families in the city of Chicago should be able to have Walter Payton's on the west side and the south side, Lane's on the west side and the south side. We should be able to level that playing field so that all of our young people have access to fully resourced schools and have a fighting chance at a quality life. And that begins with a solid education. So what will help make the situation better? I know that you all alluded to stop SQRP, stop rating schools, stop uh, rating teachers. What do we do to make the REACH evaluation system a better, fair system for all teachers? Were there some overall things we need to get rid of at a at a state level? We need to get rid of uh, school-based budgeting. We need to get rid of SQRP. But specifically for the REACH, if the REACH could actually be practiced with some fidelity, it would not be as god-awful. So then you're just subject to human error. Um, and that makes things a little bit more difficult. So I am of the mind that first, second, and maybe even third year educators are not evaluated with a score that you really are just going through the observation, the pre-meeting and the observations and the post-meeting, which are parts of the reach. So that's one of the things I do now in the We Care. So when I'm talking with my uh, my virtual instructional coaches, they get a newsletter once a month now. It's coming out in a couple of days. And all of the reflection questions are rooted in the REACH framework, domains one, two, three, and four, so that they can have an opportunity to begin to look at their work using the language upon which they will be evaluated on, but in a way that is not threatening or punitive. So I think if you start acclimating people early about how they're going to be evaluated, by the time it counts, it will be less threatening. Pavel, you have any any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so much of that is analogous to what we want for our schools as well, right? Like, and that's mm-hmm. why, like, when we talk about this, we talk about the school rating system too. Like, we want our schools to go through a process where we're looking at what it is they need to help improve access to education for their students. Instead of looking at stats and saying, here's where you're failing your students and here's the summative score. So having those changes at the evaluation level, at the school level and at the teacher level, um, that's gonna be crucial because there's a reason why it happened for the schools and the teachers where that test-based accountability came down, you know, the pipeline for all of them and impacted us all in that, in that same way. From their side, from the corporate reform side, they saw that it was wedded together, that they're going to fire teachers at the individual level and then fire schools and replace whole schools with private schools or, you know, charter schools. And they were going to do that in conjunction. So, you know, to, to remedy, we got we to gotta change a lot across the entire system. In addition to having a non-punitive observation cycle, Early career teachers, whether it's we care or not, should have a mentor first, second, third year. Yeah, it should be a part of the um, onboarding process for coming into the school system. You should have a coach. 
you should have a mentor. You should have someone committed to walking you through this process. And I think expecting for early career teachers to come in and not have anyone there to show them is is just that too is a setup for failure. You cannot come into these school systems and, and attempt to be successful and not have any mentoring or coaching because what they learn at university and what happens in the actual school building is night and day. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tara and Pavlin, for being on the CTU Speaks podcast. I am sure CPS officials are listening and they are taking notes so they can be able to modify the reach in order to reach as many students as they can and hopefully reach awesome teachers and retain them. So thank you for being a guest on the show. And I hope that you all return soon. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of CTU Speaks Rating Reach. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to call CTU Speaks at 312-467-8888. And I'll repeat that, 312-467-8888. Please also feel free to email us at CTU Speaks at ctulocal one org. We love to hear your comments. Yeah, we do. So with that being said, have a happy Thanksgiving. That's for our wish to you from CTU Speaks. Yes. And we are CTU Speaks where we only speak what matter. There you go. The next time. Bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>